from Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of destruction, out of the sticky mud. He stood me on a rock and made my feet steady. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many people will see this and worship him. Then they will trust the Lord. Psalm 40, verses 4 to 9. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or those who worship idols. O oh Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I fully understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come. As it is written about me in the scriptures, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out, as you, O Lord, well know. I want to invite you now to reflect on the the words of the Lord's Prayer in a variety of different ways, which I will lead you through. And at the end of the prayer, we will sing to be in your presence. And uh, you remain seated when we sing that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you like to call out words of praise as we reflect on how great God is? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring to mind now situations where there's a need for God's reign to be evident. Call out one or two words to express this.
Give us today our daily bread. Very, very briefly, share one need with someone near you. And just between you, offer a quick prayer for that need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In the silence, confess those things that you've done and shouldn't have done, the things you shouldn't have done, or should have done and have failed to do. And pray too for those who have wronged you that you would be able to forgive them. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now use the silence to receive God's Spirit to lead us and sanctify us. I'm grateful to Doug. Thank you, Doug, for giving us the opportunity to explore various ways of praying in our service this morning. If you want to stay in touch with people these days, there are loads of different ways you can communicate with them. There is the humble telephone call. You can send an email or a text. You can Skype. You can Facebook them. You can use Snapchat, Hangouts, WhatsApp. You can even write them a letter or send a card. Different types of communication are more or less appropriate for different occasions. But if you are emotionally close to someone who's geographically distant, you're pleased to hear from them, however they choose, to keep in touch. And prayer is simply keeping in touch with God. And there's no right way or best way to do it. Over the years I've read books, I've listened to people talking about the best way to pray. Sometimes that's been helpful, other times less so. You can end up feeling a little bit inadequate Because your prayer life is clearly nowhere near as vibrant or successful as the person who knows enough about praying to have a book published on the subject. Or you can be prompted by what you read or hear to try praying in a certain way that really doesn't work for you. And then you think, oh, I'm just no good at this at all. But you know, I look around this church and I see, what, a couple hundred people or so? If I were to ask each of you how you pray, when you pray, why you pray, I would get couple of hundred different answers. And that's because there is no one right way of praying. Even the Lord's Prayer is just a model that we take and adapt in ways that suit us best, as we did a moment or two ago. If prayer is about keeping in touch with God, that's what God wants you to do. And he really doesn't mind how or when you do it. He's just pleased to hear from you any time, in any way that suits you. I did like what Rebecca Brooks not the Rebecca Brooks, but a Rebecca Brooks, had to say on Christianity Today, their website, about eight different creative ways of stimulating your prayer life. Writing your prayers down in a diary. 
Praying when you go out for a walk. Praying about what's in your diary for the coming day or week. Using words of scripture to lead you into prayer. Praying about what you see, read and hear about in the news. Meeting up with other people to pray. Just actually being still and quiet in the presence of God. Or directing all those random thoughts that flit through your mind towards God and turning them into prayers. In short, it really doesn't matter how you pray. And talking about prayer, well, that can sometimes make it appear as if it's some religious duty that we have to perform. Have you prayed enough this week? But to concentrate on prayer itself is in some ways to miss the point because prayer is all about communicating with God. And if you focus on God, then prayer will come from that. Because if you focus on God, you'll want to worship him or stay in touch with him or rely on him or, or trust him or call out to him in some way, shape or form. And happily for us, God is accessible 24-7 wherever we are. Access to him is not restricted to between the hours of 10.30 and 12 on Sunday mornings at Brighton Road Baptist Church. Nor when you try and get through, do you hear a message telling you that he's experiencing an unusually high volume of calls at the moment. Actually, prayer is about recognising that he's right there with you in whatever situation you face or whatever situation it is you're praying about. And just because God is available all the time, that doesn't mean you need to be praying to him all the time. It is actually fine if you go out for a walk without giving him a second thought. He's not so insecure as to be upset by that. But he is happy to stay in touch. So think about all the different ways you communicate using your phone, if you use one of these things. From a prolonged conversation to a hastily sent text, they're all valid methods of keeping in touch. So whether you spend an hour in fervent prayer or just just have time to say, God, help me, God is on hand. How often do you use one of these things? Apple announced the other week that the average iPhone user unlocks their phone 80 times a day. If using your phone that kind of way is second nature to you, let me invite you to use prayer in the same way as you use your phone. The distinct advantage of prayer being that you always have signal, you always have credit, and your battery never runs out. (laughs) Prayer is about allowing the presence of God to infuse every part of your life. The Psalms are Israel's prayer book. All of life is there, and if you need convincing that there's no one way to pray, just look at the sheer variety of psalms. From the carefully composed Psalm 119, with all its 176 verses, or Psalm 117, which just takes a couple of verses to praise God for his love and faithfulness. You have prayers of thanksgiving, petition, lament, prayers expressing faith and doubt, joy and despair, anger and love. The inclusion of all those prayers in the Bible suggests they are all validated by God. And again, it makes the point, you know, God doesn't mind how or or why we pray or what we pray. The thing is, all our prayers are focused on him. I wanted to spend a few moments this morning just thinking about the opening verses of Psalm 40 as an example of prayer. Because in these eight or nine verses, you have an impassioned plea for help, a song or hymn of praise, an expression of trust in God alone, an awareness of being part of God's purposes, and an offering or dedication of the psalmist's life to God. This is prayer in action. Firstly, there is the impassioned plea for help or or recollection of a time when someone cried out to God for help. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. 
This isn't, appeal for, this isn't an appeal for help now, but it is a recollection of how God has helped in the past. I have to say, I don't like the translation, I waited patiently for the Lord, which always reminds me of waiting at a bus stop. Um, it's more of an intensive than a prolonged waiting for God. It's almost an impatient waiting for God to come, a longing, a desperate yearning, a crying out to God for help because the psalmist was in trouble. He talks about being stuck in a slimy pit, trapped in the mud and the mire. And if you look at different translations of Psalm 40 verse 2, it's pretty clear that no one has any clear idea about what kind of pit this was. You can read about a pit of destruction, a horrible pit, a pit of death, a desolate pit. Could be some kind of rubbish tip. A literal translation might be a pit of roaring waters, which conjures up images of being sucked down a plug hole. But whatever his situation, it's clear he was in some kind of complete and utter turmoil. But when he cried out to God for salvation, the Lord lifted him up, rescued him from destruction, put his feet on a rock, gave him a steady place to stand, a place of safety and security. The psalm looks back to celebrating answered prayer in the past. And that's always a good thing to do if you're looking toward ways of building your faith for prayer in the present. And for the psalmist, remembering what God has done in the past puts a new song in his mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Sometimes people say to me, you know, I'm rubbish at praying, but I do spend a lot of time listening to worship songs. Well, in my book, and I believe in God's sight as well, if you engage with your heart and the mind and the songs that you're listening to, especially if you join in and no one else is listening, then that is, that is communicating with God as effectively as saying hands together and eyes closed. And if in the privacy of your home you dance around the living room singing at the top of your voice and that's your style, then God is delighted with that. Again, it's not about how prayer is expressed. It's about how, communi- how you communicate what is on your heart. And if it's a song or hymn of praise, then that's marvellous, not least because it moves beyond just unloading all your worries to God in prayer in a prolonged shopping list. Praising him, lift your spirits, gladdens God's heart as well, whatever your preferred style of music. Then in verse 4 we find a blessing pronounced on those who make the Lord their trust rather than turning aside to false gods. Prayer is trusting in God for the big things in life. It's not incompatible with looking in other directions for help or support or deliverance because God can use other people or agencies to support you. But when we're in trouble, God invites us to pour out our hearts to him, to express our fear and our problems and to ask him to sort them out. That's what the psalmist does. He talks about the blessing that comes to those who trust in God and then he himself appeals to the Lord to sort out the situation in which he finds himself. He's in trouble again. His life is in danger. People are out to get him, so he cries out in verses 11 to 14, Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I can't see. They're more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. This is a prayer uttered from a situation of being helpless and vulnerable, poor and needy and oppressed and alone. His one hope 
is that the Lord is his help and deliverer, and so he asks God to intervene as soon as possible. And that's it. The psalm ends without us knowing whether his prayer is answered or not. Presumably it was, since it ended up being included in the Bible, but not knowing the outcome, not getting the answer here and now, that's the nature of prayer as well. That's where faith comes in to say, God, can't see the solution on the horizon, but I'm giving it to you and trusting you. We pray to God, we pour out our hearts to him, and then we have to trust that he will come through for us in the end. It's hard to have to wait for the situation to be resolved. But while we wait, we keep praying, we put our trust in him. Yet the psalmist is confident that God has a purpose for him. He can look back and see the amazing things that God has done in the past, and he's confident that God has good stuff planned for the future as well. So part of his prayer is aligning himself with the purposes of God. God, you have brought me to this point in time. God, you know what you have in store for me. God, just show me the next step. Move me from where I am to where you want me to be. If you want me to stay put, then Lord, have mercy and change my situation or my perception of what is going on or my ability to cope with the trouble I'm in. Prayer is not about bending God's will to fit in with our own. It's about finding out what God's purposes are for us and how we can best fit in with them. And then in verses 6 to 8, there's a prayer of dedication, recognising that God doesn't want sacrifices and offerings. What God simply wants is for us to say, here I am. It's your will I want to do. You've put your law in my heart. Help me to live for you. I offer you this day, this week, my life, in everything, help me to honour you. Lord, help me to do your bidding and serve you today. Why would anyone pray such a prayer? Why would anyone say, God, my life is yours. Use me as you see fit. Why would anyone hand over control to God in that kind of way? Anyone who knows that God has redeemed them. Anyone who knows that God has set them free. Anyone who knows that God is a God of love who can be trusted. Anyone who recognises the authority of God and prays, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. People who know these things will gladly pray such a prayer. If God is our Saviour and our Lord, as He is through Jesus Christ, and His ultimate purpose is for our salvation and eternal life, then to live our lives for Him between now and then is the best thing we can ever possibly do. There is always room for a prayer that says, Lord, it's a bit of a mess, but here's my life. Help me to live for you today. So in this psalm, there's testimonies about what God has done in the past. There are cries for help, songs of praise, expressions of trust, a readiness to commit our way to God and offer our lives for him. It's like a little melting pot of all the different ways we can pray. But let me leave you with some words from, that come from the excellent Got Questions website on the subject of whether there is a right way to pray. The proper way to pray is to express our hearts to God. Sitting, standing, kneeling, 
hands open or closed, eyes open or closed, in a church at home or outside, in the morning or at night, these are all side issues. Subject to personal preference, conviction and appropriateness. God's desire is for prayer to be a real and personal connection between himself and us. So, it really doesn't matter how you pray. Just be assured that God, the Lord of heaven and earth, is waiting for you to get in touch.